Before I get started, um, it's bothering me today. I just want to say this past weekend was the Alabama State Convention, and, and if you missed it, you really missed uh, amazing worship and amazing fellowship and things of that nature. But I do want to say a special thank you to our, our worship team, all of them, because, yeah, clap for them, because they. And they didn't ask for this, but they deserve it. They put a lot of above and beyond time uh, in preparation and in loading everything out and taking it down south and loading it all back in. And, and you all did a great job. I still I had, I've gotten some emails already and other people on the way out that were just like, that's awesome. And I said, yeah, we get to hang out with them every week. And so, yeah, I gloated over you guys a little bit. But thank you, Lorna. Thank you very much. I know a lot went into this. And, and so I appreciate it. And I know other people in the state of Alabama appreciate you all sharing your gifts with them over the weekend. And so thank you. Um, and that was amazing. Today, we are on week three of Close Encounters with God, or excuse me, Close Encounters with Jesus. And a focal point for today is Close Encounter with Death. Have you, have you ever had something or someone that you care about pass away? I think pretty much all of us can say yes. Most recently in our house, we are mourning the loss of Stonewall. Uh, Stonewall is Dylan's second hamster. Rocco, the first one, didn't make it past the dog. And uh, Stonewall, the replacement, apparently he was old when we got him because we didn't have him but about a year, and he lived a good life. And Stonewall was an adventurous hamster. He'd go all around the house in his little ball, and he'd run in that little ball till the door would fall off, and then he'd get out and run through the house. We got rid of the dog, so it's okay. We'd find him, and he was a good hamster. But he just didn't, they don't, hamsters don't last long. I found out they only live about two to three years, if you're lucky, after you buy one. I didn't realize that. They were short-term pets, which is bad news for Dylan, because that's pet number four, and he has a five-pet limit for his life in our house. Uh, So... I may not count Rocco because that really wasn't his fault, but we'll see how it works. Point is, we all experience death in some form or fashion. And Dylan's only eight, and, and he's experienced it a couple times. The goldfish I don't really think count because everybody knows they don't really last long. But we all go through trials and tough times throughout life. I was actually told by my dad once when I was young, I had a horse, and her name was Cherry Lee. She was a quarter horse. I was about seven years old when we got her, and we got her in the fall, and I remember the pasture where we kept her um, had a pond on it, and in the wintertime, my dad would have to go down and crack the ice so that they could drink, and one particular, I guess it was January-ish, I don't know, uh, he comes home, and he's all sad, and I'm like, well, what's up? He says, well, your horse died, and, you know, I was seven, so of course I was like, ah! you know, why me? It was horrible. And uh, long story short, she was drinking. Tree fell over, knocked her into the water. She froze in the ice. Um, We thawed her out that summer, and I got to ride her again. (laughs) I'm kidding. I just tried to make it a happy story. Uh, There's no way really circling that wagon. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I had to get you to laugh because what I say next is really going to break your heart. My dad's advice to me, I'm seven, and my dad says, I'll never forget this, life is full of heartbreak and disappointment. You might as well get used to it. No lie, that's a true story. See, that's why I had to make you laugh first. Now you all know why I'm 
kind of weird. I know that sounds harsh, and, and the, the reality is it kind of was. Uh, but when I look back, I realize, as a Christian and as an adult myself, I realize that my dad had witnessed a lot of disappointment and a lot of heartbreak in his life, too. Uh, uh, just example, real quick. His parents got divorced back when that was less trendy than what it is now. When, when he was like seven or eight, his dad left his mom. And, and that, was, that was in a time when, when divorce wasn't an acceptable thing, as it is today. Um, then and he spent time in the Vietnam War as a demolitions expert. And just, just those two things alone can change your whole outlook on life, uh, as you all are aware. And my dad went through a lot of heartache growing up. He went through difficult times. But I got to tell you, part of the heartache and the difficulties came because he didn't have a firm foundation. He allowed himself to be tossed about by the world. It wasn't until his late 40s that he really began to build his foundation on Jesus Christ. And it was really cool because at that point we started mending our relationship. And before he passed away, I, I I know he's in heaven. I know where he is, and that's awesome. But it wasn't until he was like 40 that he really started building that foundation. Today, as we look at at our close encounter with Jesus, I want you to think about where you're at in life right now. Where are you at? Are you suffering a loss? Are you celebrating a victory? Are you just wandering around waiting to see what's going to happen next? Are you in a difficult trial? Do you feel like God is delaying too much? He's waiting too long in answering your need or in answering your prayer. Maybe your mindset is like my dad's. Maybe your mindset right now, because of your circumstances and, and the things that are going on around you, maybe your mindset is just, you know what? Life is full of heartache and disappointment, so I might as well just get used to it. This is my lot in life, so to speak. Do you trust God? Do you trust God to show you what is best for you? Do you trust God to show you the best thing for you? But most of all, do you trust God in the delay. While you're waiting to hear from him, while you're waiting for him to react, do you trust God in the delay? Today, in our Close Encounter series, we're going to look at death. A close encounter with death. And as I studied and I prepared for this sermon, I noticed a trend in the Bible. It happened from from Genesis to Revelation. I noticed this trend. People died. I mean, a lot of people died from, from the very beginning. First, it was just one. One person died. It was Cain and Abel. He died. Then all of a sudden, it was like the flood. All through the Bible, people died. But I also noticed another trend. Not everyone who died stayed dead. There were a few people that were brought back to life. I want to, real quickly, I want to kind of go over some of those who were raised from the dead in the Bible. In 1 Kings, you can write these down. We're going to throw them up for you. But in 1 Kings 17, 22, Elijah raised a boy from the dead. It's a great story. In, in 2 Kings 4, 34, chapter 4, verse 34 through 35, Elisha raised a boy from the dead. That was, he followed Elijah. Uh, in 2 Kings 13, verse 20 through 21, Elisha's bones raised a man from the dead. Now that's a story, Okay. In Acts chapter 9, verses 40 and 41, Peter raises a woman from the dead. In Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 20, Paul raised a man from the dead. And in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 15, 
Jesus raises a widow's son from the dead as well. But my favorite story about raising someone from the dead comes from John chapter 11. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to get into your word. And and I pray, Lord, that we just open up our hearts. Because every one of us has dealt with suffering. Every one of us has dealt with some sort of pain. Every one of us has experienced death on some level. And today, as, as we speak of your son, the one who raises us from the dead, I pray that you will you just open our hearts to your word, that, that, that your word will give us strength and courage and boldness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 11 with me. And we're going to talk about Lazarus today. I'm going to read through that whole chapter. And then we're going to break down a couple of things for you to think about this week. And uh, we're going to go from there. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, is the same Mary who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. When he, then he said to his disciples in, in uh, verse 7, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's asking Martha, do you believe this? Verse 27, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. 
and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he 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 has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And when Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you have always that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now I could stop there, but I want to give you a little bit of a prequel into next week. A little cliffhanger for next week. And it goes like this. It's in verse 45 uh, to finish. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees. And told them what Jesus had done. And the the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. Do you not realize that it is better for... For you that one man die for the people, then that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together to make them one. So from that day on, they started to take his life. They plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. And and when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing. They kept looking for Jesus. As they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? We're going to stop there. Here's what I want to share with you as we break this down. I want to challenge you to go back and read through this this chapter again on your own this week. Here's the thing. Mary and Martha, 
They, they knew that life had disappointment. They knew that life had heartache. And right now, they were facing the disappointment of a close encounter with death. It was all around them. They sent word to Jesus. They sent word believing that Jesus could keep their brother from dying. And Jesus waited two more days. They have a close encounter with death. The death of their brother Lazarus. But what they didn't know was Jesus had a plan. Through the raising of Lazarus, Jesus showed the disciples and the world that he had power over death. Many believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and they put their their faith in him after seeing this miracle. But some of them went away with hard hearts and went to the Pharisees and went to the Sadducees. You see what this guy did? He just raised somebody from the dead. In this story, Jesus speaks one of the most powerful messages ever, and it's a very simple message when he says to, to Martha and to the people who are listening, whoever believes in me receives spiritual life. That even physical death can never take away. Jesus tells Martha, your brother will rise again. The Bible says she thought he was talking about a final resurrection. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Martha went and told Mary Jesus wanted to see her. He hadn't entered the village yet. Most likely he was trying to avoid stirring up the crowd and calling attention to himself. The town of Bethany was not that far from Jerusalem where the Jewish leaders were already plotting against him. And when Mary met with Jesus, she was grieving. She was, she was just racked with, with emotion of that loss over her brother's death. And, and the Jews, were her friends, were weeping. And, and there, just, there was sadness And I'm sure that that Mary and Martha, as sisters of this man who sent word to Jesus, are probably in their minds thinking, why didn't you come two days ago? You were two miles away. Anybody could walk that distance. They were just deeply moved, or they were were just just deeply in, in grief. And they were weeping and mourning, and Jesus was moved by their grief. And he wept with them. You see... I love that. Everybody jokes around about, oh, my favorite verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Uh, John eleven thirty five. 35. It's the only one we can remember right off the top of our heads. Two words. But the thing is, right there with Jesus wept, he reveals his compassion for people. Through, through a genuine display of emotion. Even though he knew that Lazarus was going to live, he was moved by how much these people cared about his family, how much these people cared about Mary and Martha how deeply they were moved at the loss of Lazarus, and he was still moved to weep with the ones he loved. He cared about their sorrow. Folks, he cares about your sorrow. He cares about where you are right now. He cares about your struggle. He cares about your sadness, your grief, your your loss. He was not timid to show his emotion. He wasn't ashamed to weep with the people that were sad. He wasn't ashamed, and we shouldn't be ashamed either to express our true feelings. We shouldn't be ashamed to express our true feelings to God. Because I can tell you this, if we believe that our God created everything, heaven and the earth and, and all these things, and if you believe that, then you can believe that our God is big enough for you to be real with. He can handle your questions, Mary. 
He can handle your questions, Martha. Why weren't you here? Why didn't you come? Why did he have to die? It's okay, because I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. He can handle it. We can be transparent with God because he cares for us. See, we're in this this self-fulfilling prophecy of a world where we think that we can't really tell God what we're doing, but he already knows. He already knows you're upset. He already knows you're hurt. He already knows you're struggling with something. Share it with him. Break free from it. Let him raise you out of that death. Jesus waited to travel to Bethany because he knew already that Lazarus would be dead. And he knew that he would perform an amazing miracle there for the glory of God. Many times we wait for the Lord in the midst of a terrible situation. And we wonder, why doesn't he respond more quickly? Have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, God allows our situation to go from bad to worse because he's planning to do something powerful and wonderful. That, that he has a purpose that will bring an even greater glory to himself and provide a platform for a restored and strengthened relationship with him. I guarantee you, as he walked into the town of Bethany and as Mary and Martha realized he was there, they weren't happy to see him. Not saying they hated him. I'm just saying they're in their mind going, if you were here two days ago, we wouldn't be crying. Three days ago, we, you know, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't be buried. They weren't overjoyed to see him. But he knew that they were soon to be extremely overjoyed. And, and the goal there, in my opinion, and you won't find this in the Bible because it's my opinion, is a restored relationship Because when you read through John chapter 12 and and the chapters that follow this one, you see the things that are happening. There's a feast that is is given that Lazarus is at and that his sister is at and that Jesus is at. There's really cool things that happen. But the coolest thing is there's a restoration of that relationship between Jesus Christ and these women who lost their brother. He went to the tomb of Lazarus with Mary and Martha and the rest of the mourners. And there he asked them to remove the stone that covered the hillside burial place. Jesus looks up into heaven and he prayed to his father, closing with these words, Lazarus, come out. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, Jesus told the people to remove his grave clothes. Now, let's think about this for a minute. One of your best friends has died, okay, or family member. And, and just inconsolable, you cry not only at his funeral or at their funeral, but days later you're still crying and you're just torn up and you're bitter and you're hurt about this. And you're, you're with the family or your friends are with you, whatever the case is. And, and then this, another person shows up that you haven't seen the last four days since the funeral, since the burial. You haven't seen anybody. And a new person shows up. Oh, he's a friend of the family. He comes to visit. He starts saying strange things, things like, you know, he is the resurrection. And you listen to him intently because, you, you know, your friends have great respect for him. And so you listen, but you don't really get what he's saying. You just can't quite grasp what he means. He's kind of talking in riddles and, and you're, you're suffering and you're mourning and you're saddened. And finally, he walks up to the graveside, to the tomb, and he says, roll the stone back. You're thinking, oh, this isn't going to end well. The sisters, your friends, they protest. They're like, whoa, whoa, it's, it's been four days. 
It's not going to smell well. It's not going to go well. But he, he doesn't stop. He, he's adamant about it. Roll back the stone. And then he speaks and prays with an authority that you've never experienced before. And as he ends his prayer, he commands your friend to come out. And your friend Lazarus walks out of the grave alive. As a result of this incredible miracle, many people put their faith in Jesus Christ that day. That's verse 45 through 47. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. Folks, right here, we have one of the most amazing close encounters with Jesus Christ ever recorded, in my opinion. He has brought a man who has been dead for four days alive. He raises a man from the dead. Not someone who just fell out of a window dead. Not like Eutychus. I run downstairs. Oh, he's back. Let's go up and finish service. That was quick dead. Okay, not not the little girl is only sleeping dead, not not, you know, awake, my child, not that kind of dead. But as Jerry Clower would said, this man was graveyard dead. He was four days dead. I think we found Stonewall on day two, to be honest with you, because we played with him on a Sunday uh, before church, made sure he had food. We went through our Sunday, and they're kind of busy. We went through Monday, trip to Birmingham. Tuesday morning, I bumped the cage, getting some stuff for Dylan's room. And normally when that happens, he comes running out because he thinks I'm going to give him something or take him out. And, huh. <laughs> I shook it a little bit. Nothing. It's not good. Opened it up. Oh. Just two days dead. Had a little roughness to it but this man was four days dead and the thing that fascinates me here is the bible says that only some of them put faith in jesus at that point thinking what are you kidding me how do you witness that and only some you see because when we have a close encounter with jesus christ one of two things happens we put our faith in him or we allow our hearts to harden and we turn away from him. And I think when we look at the story of Lazarus, we can understand the most important truth about heaven in reality is that the goal is getting there. We like to think about what it's going to be like, but the Bible doesn't talk about that. Here was Lazarus who was dead for four days, rises from the dead. You'd think there'd be a whole chapter about all the cool stuff he saw. And there's not. But that's okay. I really think we're incapable of grasping what heaven really is going to be like because our minds just aren't wired that way. And I don't think that mere words could do justice to to what it's going to be like. But even if God doesn't disclose all the facts about heaven, he does make it perfectly clear what we need to do to get there. And that's we must be born again. The most important truth about heaven in the story of Lazarus is not what he had to say afterwards. It's the things that Jesus said just before he raised Lazarus from the dead. Those simple words where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives in and believes in me 
will never die. And he says to Mary and Martha, point blank, do you believe this? Their brother's still dead. Do you believe this? Yeah. How about you? Do you believe this? I read a blog the other day about a guy, while he was working with children, he was asked the question, what happens when you die? And he didn't quite know how to answer the child. His thoughts are, well, if we are professed believers, do we ascend to heaven upon our physical death or do we sleep until our Savior's return? And, and he got all crazy trying to figure out the best way to answer this question. And that's what we do. A lot of times as Christians, we spend so much time wondering what happens to us after we die. When we look at the account of Lazarus, though, he was raised from the dead by Jesus. He spent four days in the afterlife, and the Bible says nothing about what he saw. I can only imagine he shared some stories with Mary and Martha. But, but you know, the Bible reveals very few details about heaven itself and what happens when we die. I suppose God has a good reason for that. But the main thing is we need to prepare for it. That's what we do here. We spend our time on earth preparing to spend eternity with him. Not four days. I think Lazarus was probably a little bit disappointed. Lazarus, come out. Aw, I got to go. Jesus is calling. I just... I don't know how it works, but I'd be sad. I'd want to stay because you know he was hanging out somewhere cool with other people like Abraham and, you know, things like that. Are you in a difficult trial? Do you feel like God is delaying too much in answering your need or in answering your prayer? My questions for you today are, do you trust God? Do you trust him in the delay if this is you, if you're waiting on God for something, I want to give you some quick advice. First of all, make sure that you are making yourself available for God to work in your life. Make sure you're making yourself available. Don't just say, oh, I'm waiting on God. Make yourself available. Put yourself out there. Get in the Word. Get into communicating with Him. Get into actively having relationship with Him. And the second thing, and probably most important, is remember this. Remember Lazarus, because I guarantee whatever you're going through right now is nothing compared to his situation because he was dead. All right? His situation is worse, was worse than yours could ever be. Trust that God must have a purpose for this time in your life. Trust that he will bring glory to himself through this time. And in short, if you honor him in your life, he will honor you in death with an eternity in heaven. And folks, it doesn't get any better than that. There's nothing here on earth that you can purchase or live in that's going to compare. What does that look like for you? What does honoring God in your life look like for you? What's keeping you from honoring him today? As we sing our decision song, if, if you have a decision that you need to make, come. If it's rededication, if it's baptism, whatever it is. If you're struggling with something and you want prayer, that's why we're here. Don't wait. Stand, sing with us, and, and decide.